Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the People Processes Podcast, where we dive deep into the tools, laws, and yes, processes that you need to know in order to scale and grow your organization. We help organizations all across the United States streamline, optimize, implement, and revolutionize their HR operations. We've helped hundreds of companies and thousands of HR leaders across the world get their people processes right. Today, we're going to be interviewing Rocky Romanella. He has had an illustrious career spanning more than 40 years focused on supply chain, logistics, retail, sales, operations, all kinds of things at at UPS, including the UPS Store Franchise Network. He became the Chief Executive Offer and Board of Directors for Unitech Global Services, a provider of engineering construction management, and he is currently the founder and CEO of 360 Management Services, LLC. He's an experienced CEO. He's led one of the largest rebranding initiatives in franchising history, the UPS Store, revolutionizing the $9 billion retail shipping and business services market. And we're going to talk to him today about leadership and his journey and the advice he can give us for our uh, growing companies. Before we go too deep, though, I want to ask you, please subscribe to our podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, pretty much any podcatcher of your choice. You can also subscribe at peopleprocesses.com, which will give you exclusive subscriber-only content, including a follow-up summary on this very episode. Rocky, thank you for so much for coming on. Welcome to the show. Oh, Rami, thank you very much for having me. So, Rocky, you have—I mean, you've done a ton. You're not a, a, a green new business owner who just started up last week. I'd love for you to tell me how you got to where you are today. I know you spent a lot of time at UPS. What was that like, and why did you wind up striking out on your own? Well, uh, of course, it was a great career at UPS. I, uh, it had a promotion from within policy, which I took advantage of. I, I actually started out uh, as a part-timer unloading trailers. Uh, I was working my way through college, and I actually was going to college to be a high school history teacher and a baseball coach. And uh, as I was working my way through school, I, rec- I realized that the best leaders were those leaders that could get their people to connect the dots. So I never gave up my passion for coaching or my passion for teaching. I, to me, I just did it in a different classroom, which was the business setting. And so I, was, I always felt like, you know, I, I was still pursuing those passions of coaching and teaching. Uh, as I said, UPS had a promotion from within policy. And my dad told me two things when I started the job. Uh, He's since passed, but he told me two things. He said, whatever they ask you to do, say yes and thank you, and then learn your job and learn some more. And so for me, you know, as I was working my way up through UPS, I learned and, and your, you know, your passion is people and the processes. So for me, one of the, my most valuable lessons I learned early on was I may not have felt ready for that promotion that UPS tapped me on the shoulder for, but what I realized is that there are times when you have to believe in your people until they're ready to believe in themselves. And you bridge that gap maybe of confidence or you bridge that gap maybe of knowledge. And that to me was probably one of my greatest lessons as I was growing and developing and learning how to manage and manage large groups of people. I never forgot that lesson that, you know, I I was taught firsthand by me being that person who was a little bit nervous and a little bit scared but UPS believing in me until I was ready to believe in myself. And then and of course, course, I mean, you started with like loading the docks. I mean, you were, you started at the 
at the bottom and worked your way all the way through. I mean, you've learned every lesson along the way well, at every job. Yes, yes. And you know, that that valuable lesson for me was that it, it empowered me and gave me that confidence to, a confidence to manage because I was a part-timer. I became a UPS driver. I drove from Plainfield, New Jersey. And so for me, that valuable lesson, uh, Rami, was, uh, Rami, was the fact that, you know, every new job I took on, and as you spoke in the introduction, I, I was tapped on the shoulder when we purchased mailboxes and uh, et cetera. Since, you know, we consequently re we branded to the UPS store, I took on that responsibility. And the thing, the first thing I did was go work a day in the store because I never forgot that the thing that helped me as a new supervisor was the fact that I, I could unload and I did unload trailers. I was a UPS driver and I, and that was such valuable lesson to me. So in every job I ever got from that moment forward, the first thing I always did, especially if it was a job I didn't have experience in, I went and spent the day, we, you know, we purchased mailbox, et cetera. I worked in a store, we purchased over 20 companies and built what's you today, UPS supply chain solutions. Uh, I integrated those companies and had this side of the world for UPS. Well, first thing I did was let's go pick some orders. Let's go down on the floor. So I think that was the valuable lesson I learned uh, as I grew as I grew and developed inside of UPS. And then, as you said, I re uh, retired from UPS and then uh, was recruited to be a CEO of a telecom company. We built cell towers, upgraded cell towers. And so every chance I got, I went out to a site. I certainly wasn't qualified to climb, but I wanted to understand <laughs> if yeah, I wanted to understand it firsthand and then started my own business, 360 Management Services. So when you decided to branch out and, you know, kind of run your own company, what was the impetus there? Well, during my tenure at UPS and, and during that time when I was, uh, I had the MBE slash UPS store as a direct report, there were, I met some of the most amazing entrepreneurs, some uh, people that were just, you know, the best. I mean, they taught me so many wonderful things. And I have such great respect for entrepreneurs. And I looked at them and I thought to myself, I don't know if I could do this job. I mean, there's nobody more all in than an entrepreneur, than a small business owner, right? I mean, at, at big companies, we say we have P&L responsibilities, but nobody has more P&L responsibility than a small business owner. At the end of the day, you hit the cash register, the draw opens, pay your people, pay your vendors. What's left is what you take home for your family. And so I had such great respect and admiration for them. And, and so I thought if I ever had the chance, I would, would try. But even today, I mean, I have a wonderful pension from UPS. So, I mean, I'm not nearly as all in as they are. And so I will always right. be that person that says, I have great respect for, for that in small business owner. And I'm not sure I could do it the way they've done it with taking everything they own and sliding it across the table and saying I'm all in. So I never kid myself that I believe that I'm, you know, I am as committed as they are. I'm committed to growing this business and I'm excited about growing my own business, but they have everything on the line. Rocky, you've, you've, you've had this great career and now you've started a, uh, a very successful company. You're keynoting, you're uh, interviewed constantly, but before you got here, I know you had to have had some hard days. So I think that our listeners they look forward to this because we all, we always have this as a recurring segment um, because they've, they've all, everyone listening has made some pretty big errors and they want to learn from other people's. So Rocky, what I want you to do is take us to the, the experience. Tell us the story of your worst entrepreneurial or management moment and, and how that happened and what the mistakes were that you made to get there. Um, 
And it's a hard question. And I, I just want to preface because I, I, what I've found in terms of response and listeners and everything else is the, the, the more you can illustrate the story, the more results and, and uh, feedback we get from our listeners. Well, for me, the, the, biggest, the biggest disappointment or biggest error always centers around the people side of things for me, because sure. I think you can work through, you can work through, you know, operational issues, you can work through P&L issues, but, but to me, the hardest and most difficult and most disappointing are the ones where you've identified an individual and I won't use their name, obviously, but you've, you know, and it's crystal clear in my mind, you've identified this individual and you believe in them so much. But the mistake was early on is that I believed in them more than they believed in themselves. I mm. wanted more for them than they wanted for themselves. And so what ends up happening is you take this individual who has such promise, but is, but is good where they are right now. And, and frank, frankly, it, they're very happy where they are right now. And so, but I'm, I see so much more in them. And so, you know, you're, you're working and, and of course they don't want to ever let you down. So, you know, you're talking to them about the next level promotion, taking on additional responsibility, maybe moving their family. You know, I moved nine times with UPS and inside of UPS, everybody was moving, right? That was part of the promotion process. And so here's this individual that, you know, I'm almost convincing them that they want that next level and not because it, it was my best intentions were to help them get to that next level. But I quickly realized that the mistake I made and the disappointment that for me was we took a good employee, someone who was very, very good at what they did. And now we moved them to that next level, a level that they may not wanted or they may not have felt comfortable with. And eventually they ended up quitting. And, and the, and the, the sad lesson there for me was you know, I wanted more for them than they wanted for themselves. And I saw more in him or her than they saw in themselves. And, and that happens sometimes. And, and that disconnect is a terrible disconnect because not only do you have an unhappy person or a person that doesn't feel fulfilled, you actually end up potentially losing a very good, a very good person in your care or in your organization. And so for me, that's the valuable lesson. It happens a lot in small businesses too, by the way, you know, you're the owner mm -hmm. of the business. And let's face it, what's your strength as a small business owner? Nobody's more committed. Nobody knows the business better than they do. Nobody could do the job better than you can. Well, what's your biggest weakness? Nobody, no, nobody's more committed than you are. Nobody <laughs> knows the business, right? So you, you have that employee and, and, you, and you're not allowing them to grow and develop into that job because you want them to be you. But, but you forget how, you, how long it took for you to get to be you. And so I think that that those expectations are sometimes difficult. And when you lose that good employee or you lose that good person is probably a better way of putting it. You really look at yourself in the mirror and you say, boy, I really failed this one. This was, you know, this was not good for, for that individual, certainly not good for our organization. And frankly, I, I made a bad decision. Yeah. So you, you, when you're in that, I guess, what would you have done differently? If you were, you have a, you're trying to grow an organization, you've got, you need leaders, you need uh, people who you can move up and you find someone who's outstanding at their current job. That's the, the normal way of figuring out who to promote. What would you have done differently with this particular employee that maybe would have helped you keep them? Well, from that, because maybe in, maybe in two years, they would have been perfect for it, that, you know, that, but who, that, yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, well, I'll tell you. So from that and, and, 
you know, you're the people process. So you have the two most important things, people and process that you you, you take care of. <laughs> so, which is excellent. So what come, so for me, whenever something doesn't go the way I, I planned it to, or hoped it to, or to me, it's always about process. Well, what's the process? So out of that disappointment or out of that failure came my people process. Um, so I'm not, you know, I appreciate you allowing me to use that, but so it became okay. my, so from that moment forward, I, I had this process. So, you know, the, when people would bring me a person for promotion or I would identify a person for promotion, the first question I'd ask myself, well, do I want more for them than they want for themselves? Or if you brought me a name of an individual ready to be promoted, I would ask you, Hey, do you want more for them than they want for themselves? No, no, no. They really want this. Okay. You know, do you see more in them than they see in themselves? No, no, no. Okay. So you get past those first two. Then the three next key questions come in. And I've used this through probably of my 40 year career, probably 30 of them it, as I kind of grew and was, was more involved in those decisions. The first question I'd always ask, and this is, this one seems a little, you know, uh, almost rude, but it's not meant to be. And the first question is, Hey, if they didn't come to work would anybody notice, and they kind right. of look at you like, what are you kidding me? Like, All right. Well, that's good. Okay. That's the first question. How about the second question? What wouldn't happen if they weren't here? So what's uniquely theirs? What's uniquely them? What, what processes in place? What wouldn't happen if they weren't here? And, and that's so important because that starts to speak about a person beginning to be that next level before they are that next level. And then exactly. the last and then the last question I would always ask them is, and I would ask this of myself as I started, as I identify key players, I would look at myself and say, okay, if we're in a room, you know, if we got a meeting of 50 of our leadership team and the two or three of us, you know, leaders that are running the meeting have to leave. And now somebody walks in and says, we have a problem. We, we've, we've got to take this. We've got to take, we've got to build a solution to this problem. Well, they're all peers. Well, who's that? Who are the two or three informal leaders that step up and take over? Are you that leader before you are the next leader? And so that that became my process to prevent what happened. And and when I think back to that individual, he clear he or she clearly was a, a great contributor, had some really great skills, but they weren't the informal leader yet. They weren't the next level before they are the next level. There really wasn't a signature thing that they could call their own. They were beginning that process. And so I look back and I think I, I was more excited about getting them to the next level than they were ready to get to that next level. Uh, and so I think that that's where the process would have, would have helped that situation because I would have had that conversation with him or her and said, listen, you know, let's talk about your, on your career development. Let's talk about the next steps. Let's talk about the additional responsibility. And then we would have talked about what's your signature element? What's, what are the things that differentiate you from everybody else? How does your brand differ from everyone else's brand? So I think that process is, is what I kind of put in after that, that difficult moment where we lost a really good individual. Exactly. And you hit it on the head. Any, and and you've, you've been on operations, you've been on the sales and acquisition side. Entrepreneurs, business owners, they they think they when they when they bring on a client and they spend a ton of time and effort uh, getting that client, they uh, get them through the system, they onboard them, they're there, and then they lose that client. They immediately understand I've got to put something in place at some point along the way. I don't know if it's because we marketed to the wrong person, we didn't qualify that that potential client or sale. 
we didn't figure out, uh, we didn't onboard them right, we didn't set our expectations. They realize there's a problem in their process. But small business owners and, and even larger companies, they don't think in terms of people processes. You hit it on the head, which is you went through an experience, you lost a great employee who you spent time, significant money and investment on, and then you went back and said, where did we mess up? And where you said, where you've kind of identified in your people processes cycle was there at the qualification stage, hey, we need, before we put people into this position, we need to have a little process in place to say, do you meet these qualifications? And for leadership, you identified ways of getting there. That's outstanding. Uh, That's exactly what needs to happen. And that's why oftentimes losing a client or losing an employee is the the most important thing, the trigger for how you improve your company. When you lose a client, it makes you for, it makes you go back and go, all right, what did I do wrong? The same thing should happen when you lose someone who you shouldn't. And you know who that is. You know that's that person on your team where you're like, man, I can't believe they quit and went somewhere else. What? Where did we go wrong? Going back to that process is outstanding. Absolutely. And, and if you think about true empowerment is when people discipline themselves. And so for me... I think it starts there. The, 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 the way you develop those processes is I discipline myself. I was more disappointed in myself than, you know, it's like, for example, when I, you know, at that time I was not at, at the most senior levels, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and so I, I go, you know, I went to my, you know, my, I went to the you know manager I work for and I'm you know, explaining what happened. He's like, well, you know, if he really wasn't ready or she wasn't really ready, you know, it's, you would have found that out eventually. And I'm thinking, no, it has nothing to do with that. I, I put them in a position at the very least, we shouldn't have lost them at the level they were at. And so I was this, I appreciated them trying to be supportive of me, but I was more disappointed in myself than he or she was of me. And I think, exactly. that, I think that's the true sign. Are your people empowered to where they're disciplining themselves, where they're more disappointed in themselves? Because then what ends up happening, you become then, you don't become the person who piles on as the leader. You become that person that helps them through that. Okay, well, what could you have done differently? But to me, it's always important when someone takes responsibility and ownership. It's okay we make mistakes. It's okay it didn't work out. But do you own it? Do you, do you feel as bad about that person leaving before you got to me, I shouldn't feel worse about that person leaving than you do as the person who put them in that position. So I think that's the thing I always look for, especially as the person making that decision as an owner, are you more upset than that person le- than that person left than the manager who w- was the direct report for that person? Exactly. Or, and it can apply to it doesn't, not just people, but even operations, same thing. If you're, you know, if you're looking at a subordinate manager and, they let you know, hey, we screwed this thing up and you are more messed up. You're like, oh my God, this is a real, you know, <laughs> this is a real problem. And you don't feel like the person whose responsibility directly it was is uh, is emotionally on the hook for it. Then it's like, you may have the wrong, you may have the wrong person there. Someone needs to own this. Uh, very good. Well, Rocky, so you've you you're now in this uh, uh, in the management consulting world, right? So, so tell me a little bit about what you're doing now. I know you you have, you know, speaking engagements. You're doing management. What kind of companies are you working with, and how does that work? Well, the, on the uh, keynote speaking, I mean, I certainly enjoy that part of it. It's kind of my uh, you know kind of my teaching fix, and the same with the leadership training. I mean, we work with large companies like uh, CVRE or Prudential. Uh, Seton Hall University. I, I enjoy 
I enjoy working with universities and coming in and, you know, doing uh, a class or two. Uh, I absolutely enjoy talking to juniors and seniors in college as well as juniors and seniors in high school because, you know, after 40 years of business, they all kind of look at you like, oh, no, what you know today, what would you do different? Or, you know, how did you mm -hmm. begin this process and those kinds of things. So I feel like you can, you know, you can leave this uh, a little bit of a legacy. So for me, this concept of legacy is you leave things a little better than you found them. Are people better because of their time with you? Are your customers better because of their interaction with your company? And so for me, you know, this business 360 management services allows me to kind of continue on with that legacy. You know, I wrote the book, tighten the lug nuts that supports the, the training and supports the uh, keynote speaking. And then, so those are the two, um, main legs of the stool. And then we have a consulting piece of our business and we really focus as you do on processes. So, because you want to fix things once and a good process right. allows you to, you know, you've identified the problem, what the true problems are, you identify the fixes. Now what's the process that you put in place that ensures consistency and longevity to that fix. And so for me, it's always about, you know, the processes. And so I enjoy, that we enjoy that uh, part of the business in that we get to fix things from a longer term perspective. And I absolutely enjoy working with small businesses. I would say we do work with some larger companies, but at the end of the day, it really comes down to helping those small business owners and helping them, you know, kind of uh, understand what's going on inside their business. And maybe I enjoy the part of maybe helping them. What's that next step? I always find that some of the biggest, toughest decisions for small business owners is we're in a good spot right now. We're kind of in the zone, but we're, we're, we've identified more business. We're learning, we're growing and you know, we've got the chance to win that new business, but that next step now adds capacity. You know, it's like when the airplane's flying at 8% capacity, you're making money. The minute you need that second airplane, now you're back at 20% on that airplane. Now you're losing money. How fast can I fill the airplane back up to 80% capacity kind of concept? Exactly. And I think that's the big, you know, and I, we enjoy that piece of working with small businesses to help them identify when's that next step. And then how do you kind of close that gap between that next step and where you get back in that zone again? Well, so if, if we had a listener here who was the, exactly as you described, that's a common situation. Although right now things are in crisis and everybody's working on that. This episode probably won't come out for a couple of weeks and um, they may not be in that position anymore. But if you're looking around and going, things are good. We're making money. Things are, you know, holding together. Maybe we've been a little stable, uh, haven't grown quite as fast as we used to, but we're we're rocking out. We see the next big opportunity, but the cost is too so high. We're afraid to risk what we have now. What what advice would you give them? Well, I think the first step is you've got to take a step back and and kind of identify what what do you want to look like in the next six months, 18 months, and three years from now. So what is that vision, right? Are you being, are you being pushed? Are you being motivated because of a need that's been, you've identified, or are you being pushed and pulled because of a need identified by your customers or one, you know, your customer base or one of your customers, both aren't bad. It's just that you tend to be more in control of the situation when you've identified the strategic place where you want to be next and how you want to get there. Now, many new products and services, as you know, are developed by needs in the marketplace or a customer may come to you and say, you know, hey, this is, you know, this is what I'm looking to do. Uh, for, so for me, I have a process. So every time we have this conversation with small businesses or, or in my job uh, as CEO or president, I would always go through a series of questions. And when someone would bring me a new opportunity or bring me 
you know, a new, a new vision of what we want to do. The first question I'd ask is, well, who's the customer? You know, people always kind of look at me and laugh when, when you ask that question, you know, smile with a little bit of a smirk, but, but that's such an important question. I'll give you a quick example. You know, when we're, you know, we're, we're building a process for a healthcare client when I was on the supply chain side at UPS. And so you, you ask that question, who's the customer? Well, a third of the people say it's the, it's the distribution channel, you know, CVS, Walgreens, could be Marisource Bergen, someone like that. Well, a third of the people in the room said, no, 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 it's not, it's the doctor. The doctor is prescribing our medication. Hmm. But a third of them looked at you and said, well, wait a second, you two thirds are wrong. It's really the patient. So once you identify who is your customer, it changes the, you know, it kind of changes everything, right? Because if you're 99% on time to CVS or Walgreens, that's a great frequency. You don't want to be 99% on time to that patient because you don't want to be the one patient didn't get your meds. Right. So it changes that. So the first question for me always is, you know, who's, you know, who's the customer? Then the second question for me always ends up being, okay, well, what are the, you know, what are our core values that we won't compromise? Is it safety in this particular case? Is it, you know, is it quality? Is it, you know, integrity? What are our core values and what are the core values we won't compromise? Because customers will push and pull you in different directions, but you have to identify what your boundaries are and what are the things that you won't compromise, you know? And then I, and then you go through that series of questions, you know, who is our customers represented in this new strategy? You know, is our people represented in the new strategy? You know, for example, we may have a great product that we go to market on that product. Everyone thinks it's the right product, fits in the portfolio. CFO sitting here, she's banging on a calculator. This is a great product. We can make money. Before anybody leaves, I say, wait a second, how about our people? Are they represented? What's the training they're going to need? You know, how do they handle a service disconnect? Do they understand why it fits in a portfolio? And then the very last question I always ask, and it's, it's, it's not as um, dramatic when you're, when you're talking to a small business owner, but inside a large corporation, we're inside of a business, a much larger business. The, the, the last question I always ask that person presenting me that information, I look at them and say, if this was your candy store, if you were writing the check out of your checking account, would you do it? And it's interesting. 80% of the time they say yes, but you know what? 20% of the time people have told me no. Oh, really? Even though they're willing to go to bad for it when they, when it comes down to them, they're like, no, no, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> well, yeah. What I could what comes to mind. Yeah. I said to one individual, wait a minute. Now you asked me to do this. You told me this is the right business. Why are you saying no? Wow. You know, there's a lot of problems. There's a lot, you know, this is not always gonna work out. <laughs> but you said we need a new revenue stream. Okay. But we need a new revenue stream. But I mean, I would hope that you would think this is the right one. So it's interesting when you ask that question, you know, and, and it's a way to drive down that ownership. You know, you, you make much different decisions when you think like an owner, you know, you feel, Absolutely. You, you know, you want to think, you know, and, I, and so for me, this kind of balanced leadership model that I preach is you think like a customer, you feel like a valued individual, but you act like an owner in all your decisions and then process ties it all together. Nice. Well, Rocky, a couple of quick rapid fire questions uh, to wrap up our interview. If you were to recommend one book to go alongside Titan the Lug Nuts uh, for a uh, small business owner to read, what book would you recommend? I would recommend uh, Lessons from the Mouse by Dennis Snow. Great book from his. I have not had that recommended before. Hang on. Lessons from the Mouse by Dennis Snow. Excellent book. All right. We'll have that link down in the description to check that out. Um, if you could go back in time and tell yourself one thing when you opened 
your new business, 360 Management, what would you what would you tell yourself? To, to clearly understand, you know, who who are you? What do you stand for? And what are the things you won't compromise? Because I think what happens is you got a vision of what you want to do. But then because it doesn't happen as quickly as you want, you end up trying to be all things to all people. And that's really a problem. That's, that's, that's a good one. Now, going forward, what's got you most fired up? What's your next three months, six months, whatever it is, what's your next big strategic goal? Well, unfortunately, all my keynote speaking has been, has been canceled. <laughs> Same. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I, I absolutely, no, actually, we have two, uh, two clients we're working with right before this that were, uh, we're going through some M&A deals. And so we're working on the integration piece with them. We, the whole integration and cultural piece is such an important piece. And, and I think that, you know, coming out of all of this, I think, you know, a keen eye on your people is going to be so important because there's going to be concerns about safety in their minds and, you know, they need to get back to work, but they're concerns. And so your ability as a leader to, to give your people that sense that you, you care about them, they're important to you and you would never do anything to put them in an unsafe position is going to be, is going to be so important uh, as you move forward out of this uh, difficult period that we just went through. Absolutely. Now, Rocky, the last question I have for you, if there's about a thousand people who are going to listen to this, maybe more, maybe it'd be 2000 because it's you. Uh, <laughs> but if they're, li- if, if there's someone listening, what, what business are they in? What size of company? What's going through their mind right now that would make them think, Hey, you know what? I need to go to Rocky's website, reach out to him on LinkedIn. Uh, we probably need to have a further conversation. What's, what's that co- client look like? Well, it's, it's a client that is, is, that, that constant improvement type of person, you know, they have that they're constructively dissatisfied. They're always trying to improve (laughs) not only their organization, but also their people. And I think that's, what's so important to me, you know, three constituents always have to be represented customers, people, share owners and stakeholders. And I think it's so important that if you're that individual that understands that your business is propelled, your number one asset is your people. Then I think, you know, we really fit together because, you know, we're, we're going to fix a problem, but it's always going to end up being your people that execute that fix. Awesome. And Rocky, where should they find you at? Well, thank you, sir, for asking. So uh, my website is <laughs> www and it's the number three. I wish I would have done a better uh, website, shorter name, but w, the number three and the word 60 S I X T Y management services.com. Uh, the book is Tighten the Lug Nuts. It's actually tightenthelugnuts.com. You can, there's a website for the book as well. And the book, there's a lot of lessons in the book. I, you'll enjoy the book, uh, a lot of stories, as you can tell from our interview, a lot of stories involved. And so uh, it's kind of a journey written in the third person, a gentleman by the name of Joe Scafone. Awesome. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in. And Rocky, thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you, sir. And listen, be safe and uh if any of your audience uh, would like to interact with me, the website's very interactive or my email is Rocky, R-O-C-K-Y, Romanella, R-O-M-A-N-E-L-L-A at gmail.com. Always willing to help. And thank you very much. Be safe. Thank you, Rocky. Links are in the description down below at peopleprocesses.com. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in. Uh, Rocky dropped some great information, and I really hope you take the time to reach out to him. If you're looking for some management consulting, some keynote speaking, uh, he's had an amazing storied career, and I could talk to him all day. In the meantime, please go to peopleprocesses.com, subscribe to the podcast so that you get updated information on this. We also have exclusive subscriber-only content 
like a summary of today's episode with just the key lessons for your takeaway. Uh, We also have information about COVID-19. We have tools for hiring, firing, terminations, all that for our subscribers. And I'd love to see you on there. For now, it's time for you to go out there, have a great day, and get your work done.